trust and obey or in football talk as Bill Belichick, the former, former Patriots coach, now would say, do your job, right? Uh, our job is to trust God who is in control and to obey what he teaches us. Not following, now that the Seahawks have been done with the season for a while, not following uh, football deeply, but I uh, guess there's a game today. And I've heard a lot about this Taylor Swift guy, don't know who he is, but uh, sounds pretty fast, uh, so we'll see how that turns out. Anyway, uh, that was my joke for today, folks, wasn't that great? Uh, so we, we continue uh, in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 3 today, uh, the whole chapter, the whole chapter, as we go through our journey uh, in this letter, and feel free to take notes inside the program, use the Connect card, and we'll receive that at the end of the service if there's anything you want to check off there or ask questions or, or share anything. But uh, let's pray before we hear the word. Oh, Lord God, may the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. You are the true author and perfecter. And you alone, you only, should we rightly fear and revere. You only should, should our lives be founded upon. You only should we, should we really fully follow. We need you to speak to us, and we need to hear. So may your Holy Spirit speak. May, may each of us here be praying for ourselves to, to have a true time of worship and hearing from you and from your scriptures, Lord. May we pray for ourselves, but may we pray for each other. And I ask, Lord, that you would help your people to pray for me, to pray for other churches, to pray for other pastors, that your word would be rightly declared, that people would know you and live for you and have your hope and your joy in them. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I know we're up and down a lot lately with my new practice of standing for the sermon scripture, but if you're able to stand for the sermon scripture, uh, please do to, to revere God's word as we prepare to hear the message. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter three. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. 
As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. We're going to go through this uh, section by section, and the, the first the first phrase uh, in this section really helps us uh, review where we were last week. The holy brothers or holy siblings, with that that word is 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 uh, brothers, but it's inclusive of females. So we're we're holy siblings that he's calling to glory is what we heard last week. That he is he wants to call us into relationship with him and into his glorious presence. And so chapter three again starts off with that type of language that we are called into the family of God and we're called even siblings with Christ or co heirs with Christ. Okay, so we share together in a heavenly calling. We don't just share a religious identification that you check off on the census uh, box if you do that, right? We, we share in a heavenly program, a heavenly story, a heavenly calling from God, right? Um, a lot of us grew up with a telephone that had a cord. I don't know if the young kids know what I'm talking about this one. But, uh, you know, it was exciting to get a phone call, and you generally answered the phone. Now, uh, people don't like to answer their phones, uh, the younger you are. But anyway, uh, God calls, and we are to answer, right? This is really a continuation of what we heard last week, that God is, is authoring his plan and calling people into relationship himself. Then the, 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 with, with us, calling us into relationship with himself. Uh, he, he says, consider Jesus. Words like this are kind of easy to jump over as we, as we read the scripture, but consider Jesus, right? That's what we do every week together. Hopefully you do that in some daily way in your life. You think about Jesus. Uh, this, is, this is not something we graduate past. As followers of Jesus, we want to continue to learn to be like him, to learn to love like him, and to do what he did. And so, Considering Jesus means learn from his teachings. Think about how would Jesus live in my life if he was in my shoes, right? The what would Jesus do question, but what would Jesus do in my shoes question. Think about that in your daily life and ponder it. He is, as it says, the apostle. Uh, he is, we think apostles of the 12 apostles, right, that serve the church, uh, this, this title of, of, a, of a servant. But apostle, in, in its meaning of the word, is a sent person, a sent person. And you may have heard of the epistles in the New Testament. Those are letters. Those are sent documents. It's a related word. An apostle is a sent person. And Jesus was sent, sent from the Godhead, sent from eternity to come and do this mission. He is the sent one. He's also high priest. 
A, high, a priest is a representative bef- of people before God, right? And Jesus is the high priest or the, the ultimate high priest. This theme is going to come up again and again in, in, in Hebrews. He is the representative for us for our confession or for our belief. Essentially, it, it's good to have somebody vouch for you, right? You, 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 in this case, he's vouching for our confession, meaning, hey, this person's faith is actually sincere. It's real. I have a relationship with them, right? So you're, you're going to, to get to heaven one day by God's grace is the plan, right, if you believe in Jesus. And who is going to vouch for you but Jesus himself because he is your high priest, right? You're not gonna vouch for yourself and say, here's my list of good deeds. Here's all the old ladies I walked across the street, right? It, that is not what's gonna happen. The high priest himself, is going to vouch for you and say, yeah, they're perfectly righteous. I, I've got them completely covered, right? So Jesus is our high priest. He, he, vouch, he vouches for you and that your confession is genuine, right? Okay, so it says that. He is the apostle, the high priest of our, of our, of our faith. And then it continues, he was faithful. Faithful to him uh, just as Moses was, right? Now, backing up and thinking historical context here, uh, and some of us did this in the Bible study this week, the Jewish background people who are reading this text who are following Jesus, they, they all would have like grown up revering Moses. It's like way beyond how we look at superheroes, right? Because Moses is a real historical figure, and Moses who got to meet with God and got the Ten Commandments, you know? I mean, and he looked like Charlton Heston, right? So I just, uh, um, uh, no, uh, but some of you got the joke. uh, But Moses, just a, a huge deal in their mind, right? And in their hearts and in their communities, and, and so the, the author here recalling the stories and saying, remember what we believe, that as great as Moses was and as faithful as he was with all the difficulties he had to go through of leading the, the people out of Egypt, facing down Pharaoh, and then dealing with the people when they grumbled in the desert, and, and all the ups and downs he went, he was very faithful, but Jesus is the most faithful one, perfectly faithful, Right? So he's using Moses as, a, as he does in his habit here in the letter to Hebrews. He's going to say, Jesus is greater than. So he gives an example like the angels we saw in the first chapter. The angels are great. God made them, right? Jesus is greater than the angels. Moses is great. He's God's servant. He got to meet with God up on the mountain and receive the Ten Commandments. Absolutely amazing. Led the people through the Red Sea on dry land. Jesus is greater than Moses, okay? It's a really simple pattern that you're going to see. Jesus is greater than and he's worthy of more glory, therefore, than Moses. He, you know, revere Moses or give thanks to God for Moses, but realize that God is the real builder. God is the real author of this story. And, and we should honor not just what God is doing, you know, like God did the Bible, but the Bible is not God. The, the Bible is to lead us to God. Very important, right? Moses is very important in God's story, but Moses is not to be revered or to be put on a pedestal, right? You might have a, a pastor in your life or somebody who mentored a disciple. you very important in teaching you about God, but we gotta be careful not to, not to put any human being, including a pastor, in a place that is really for God alone, right? God alone is worthy to be worshiped, and God alone is the author and perfecter of our faith, the, the letter of Hebrews says. And God is the builder. Now, the good news of this is God is the builder of the house, and we are his house if we believe in him. You are God's craftsmanship, as Paul says in, 
in, in Ephesians 2.10. You're his workmanship. He, he's, he works with you. Right? He's building you. Peter will say in his letter, we're like living stones being put together. We are, we're a living house. He, he's taking our lives and our different journeys and our different perspectives, and he's, he's building something that reflects to the world that, that he's real and his love is, is real. His sacrifice through Jesus Christ was real, and we are part of it. Right? He does all the real work. He does the plans. He's got the blueprints. He does the salvation and all that, but we by God's, God's gift, just get to be part of his house, right? And I, I was just thinking of this, this house metaphor and some scriptures that came up for me. And, and, and really, the early church used this. Uh, they used it and, and did what Hebrews does here. They connected it to, to uh, quotations of the Old Testament. So like in Acts chapter 4, you can see, uh, you can see this where there's a scripture that is, there, it's being, the gospel is being preached, and they say, this is Jesus, the stone that was rejected by you. So this is Jewish Christians preaching to other Jewish people saying, you know, you rejected the cornerstone, right? So early on, Christians saw themselves as a house, probably because Jesus taught it this way, like, but it also was from the Psalms. Psalms 118 said this first. Psalm 118, uh, verse two said, the stone that the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone. And so what the early church believed is God is building something in this world and he's not gonna stop, but he's the foundation. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And then we're built on top of that. And we've got the apostles and the prophets and things, and God's gonna build them up. But each true believer in Jesus Christ is gonna be part of that building, part of that construction, right? And we need to believe that. God isn't building a life just so you can be blessed, right? That, that is sometimes the perversion of the, the, the American gospel, right? The, the true gospel of the Bible is, is God is involving us in his big blessing story, big salvation story of the world, right? And he doesn't just come into your heart as some kind of pet. You come into his, his building as a guest that he freely wants in. It's a much bigger story than the reduced individualized story that many of us were taught in Sunday school. Invite Jesus into your heart. Keep him there as a little pet. They don't say that second part, but that's what's implied. And it's not a big enough Jesus. It's not a big enough story. The bigger story is that I get to be a little brick in a giant house. And you see, now that we as Americans don't like to be reduced to little things, we, the devil wants us to reduce Jesus to a little thing, put him in a little pocket in our heart. And, and I, I just want you to reduce that and say, we are the little ones. We're tiny. We're specks compared to time and eternity, right? But we're specks that God loves. And that he's building together in his house that's gonna last for eternity, right? So, so think of ourselves that way. Yes, small, but small with God. <laughs> and with God, I can make a difference because God is with me. So let's not make God small, but let's realize we're small. And that's good for your soul to know that. Uh, But God can do good things through me, through us together in what he is building. Okay. And and so to continue this this theme, it says in Psalm 127, which is not the psalm that's quoted in in Hebrews 3. It's Psalm 95 that's quoted. But Psalm 127 says this. And this may be somebody's life verse out there, I don't know. But it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. That's some deep truth there, right? Unless the Lord builds the house, we build in vain. 
There's a lot of projects we want to be a part of in our, in our families, doing good things in our family, doing good things in our community, right? But unless the Lord, it's part of the Lord's story, unless it's really, truly good, right? And, and, and part of God's selfless plan, it's going to be in vain. God is the builder. That's what we're getting at. Not, not, not human leaders, whether it's politicians or pastors or youth leaders. God is the builder doing his work. Then we see, back to Hebrews 3, we see that it says, the Holy Spirit says. Do you see that? Before, before Psalm 95 is quoted, it says, the Holy Spirit says, present tense, quoting a psalm that was written hundreds of years ago. So it could have, the, the writer of Hebrews could have said, the Holy Spirit said, right? I mean, the psalm, Psalm 95, was written hundreds of years before. But in, in the Greek, it's very clear, and every translation should have this right. It's in the present tense. The Holy Spirit says. Why, am I, why is that important, right? Why is that important? Because it's, it's, it's still living and active and breathing. It's still being said. It's, it's present tense. God is still speaking, right? This teaches us about Scripture uh, but it also teaches us about listening as God's people generally. God is a speaking, truth-telling God. And God speaks through, through this, this, this book, right? This special book, which is really a library or collection of books and scriptures and writings. But the Spirit of God speaks, present tense. We have a relational God who doesn't want to stop speaking. You never, there, there, isn't, uh, there isn't anybody in our congregation that's ever going to get to the point where, like, I got this book mastered, right? Because uh, he's going to keep saying. Have you, ever, have you ever read a scripture and you go, I, I kind of understand that. I, you know, I, I've got it down. I've got the meaning. And then the next year something happens in your life and God takes that same scripture and it goes to a totally different level, right? Yeah. It's because it's, it, it's not that the truth changed, the truth doesn't change, but we sometimes aren't able to see the depth of the truth of what God is saying, but over time as things get peeled away or we become aware of more sin or we experience a, a deep pain of loss in our life that we never experienced before, it opens us up to seeing the even deeper truth that the Holy Spirit has been saying, right, through the scripture. So we take a living approach to the story of Scripture. And so that's where the author of the Hebrews can look back at the, the, the story of the, the, the Jewish people escaping from Egypt and, 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 and Moses leading them and saying, but this is also a living, ongoing story of how the people of God are always tempted to go back into grumbling, right? Or to go back into disbelief. It, it, it's still part of that story, but God is still... The way he spoke back then, he's still speaking now. And as he's going to say later in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever, right? So he's really teaching this, the, the, the Hebrews and the Jewish people, the Israelites, the same things that he's teaching us now, right? We've got to keep hearing, keep listening. Don't let our hearts grow cold or hard. And so today, seek to hear his voice. Today. You can't do much about tomorrow, Jesus taught. But you, you can you can take care of today, right? Or one of the lessons my parents would always say is I was trying to fix my brothers. When they did something wrong to me, they'd say the simple thing, Corey, you take care of Corey, right? We'll take care of them <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but Corey, take care of Corey. You take care of your today. And by that I mean, as that little brick in the big building of God, are you listening to the builder? Do you seek his voice? Because that's how we keep our hearts from being hardened. 
Do we seek to learn from history, the history in this book, but also the history of our life? Like, oh, I have this pattern towards, towards sin or towards anger or towards bitterness. Do I see that pattern? Is there a story in Scripture, a character in Scripture that can help me with that? Because God probably has one in there where God worked with a person. Do we, do we learn from our personal history? Do we learn from God's, the history of God's people? That's what Hebrews is doing here. Say, look, look at their history. We can be tempted to fall in that too. Even though we know of Jesus Christ, our, 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 our apostle, right? Our great high priest, we could still, even though he's greater than Moses, we could still fall into hard-heartedness. So I want to ask us then, do we learn from history? Right? Do we get harder in our hearts or humbled in our hearts? That's one way some pastor said it long ago. Difficult things are going to come in your personal lives, and I believe a lot in 2024. I think we're going to go, I don't know what we're going to go through, but we're going to go through some stuff. Every year we go through stuff, but we can, we can choose, to, choose to grow cold or, or angry. We can... We can have a hardened heart. We can get isolated and separated and mean. Or we can go the Jesus route, which I'd say is humble yourselves. Pick up your cross, meaning intentionally being willing to suffer for what is good. Look for ways to bless people, even people you disagree with, right? Which is, there's going to be a lot of opportunities this year, right? And, and, and do the basic Jesus teachings this year. Let yourself become Humbled, not hard, right? Challenges in life will give you that opportunity. As someone else said, you, when you have the challenge in life, you have the opportunity to either grow bitter or better, right? You've heard that probably? That's not my line, but it's so true. When difficulty comes, especially if it's personal in some nature, we as human beings, just like the, the Hebrew people of the past, have the opportunity to grow in bitterness or betterness, one, the bitterness, I don't have to explain too much, right? Just growing into the despair and, and anger, right? So we don't talk to people anymore. We stop trying to forgive or praying for people. We're just <clears throat> mad. Oh, don't they know what's right, these stupid people, right? <laughs> Been there, okay? Or we, the, the, the tough stuff still happens. There's people we disagree with and so forth. But we go the Jesus way and Lord, teach me how to pray for those I disagree with. Teach me how to understand people better. Teach me, show me where you want me to serve, Lord. Look at all the people that disagreed with you and didn't get it. Many of them religious people, Jesus, but you were so good and truthful. Help me to be more like you. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to, it's not one of my life goals this year to grow in bitterness. I don't, I don't hope it's anybody's, right? But how, uh, uh, how many people does that happen to? You don't have to make it a life goal. I mean, it's one of those things that will be done to you, just like the people of the past in our story that we're getting quoted, the, the Jewish people. It will happen if we don't intentionally seek to be better in Christ. Do we grow in grumbling or grace? This is another way to put it. Do we grow in grumbling and, or grace? And it, the, the letter to the Hebrews is telling us to remember uh, the good news and the goodness of Jesus Christ and, and that he was good to us while we were yet sinners, right? And this should help us to keep, keep uh, from getting hardened by, by our own temptations in our flesh and by the world around us, okay? 
If we don't heed this, we will miss out, it says, in the rest of God. And, and then that means it's really on us that we are rejecting, we're rejecting the rest of God. Okay? Rejecting the rest of God. Now, again, who would want to do that? If God is, uh, if God is offering us peace, like the, 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 the feel, not just the feeling, but the experience of being okay with God, more than okay with God, of knowing that we are loved and just our souls being at rest, what we sang in it, it as well today, just really having that. Why would we want to reject that, right? But we reject that every time we choose not to listen or hear, not to work on our, our sins, not to, to stay humble, right? The, it's not automatic, right? They look at the, the story that's being quoted here in Hebrews 3, the Moses and his people. I mean, they were out of Egypt. All the big miracles happened, right? The 10 plagues through the Red Sea. They've seen a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud. They've seen all kinds of stuff. And yet they still basically argue with God and say, uh, we want the story to go our way, right? Not your way. And so if it can happen to them seeing all those miracles, it, even though we have the greater high priest, it can still happen to us, right? We can reject the rest, the peace that Jesus Christ himself has purchased for us through his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. And it seems like, oh, no, it can't happen, but it can happen. And you, if you're an experienced Christian, have seen it happen to other believers, or maybe you even went through a season yourself where you didn't live in the rest that he was offering. And if you have, then I don't have to explain this to you, right? So we have to keep in it, trust and obey. So it, it could look like, it could look like the, the opposite of rejecting could look like just spending time with him daily, quiet times, right? Old-fashioned, but old-fashioned for a reason. You, you need to find time set apart with him, whether it's on a walk, at a coffee table, wherever it is, shutting the world out, being with him. Solitude is the old word for it. It's one of the practices in the, the book we're going to read, but just quiet time. Yes, you can add to that scripture, study, that's another good practice, but sometimes you just need to be with God and be quiet, right? And then there's prayer where there's active talking, active kind of listening, but there's also just being. So there's prayer, there's study, there's solitude, right? There's sometimes fasting, right? Where you, you, you intentionally go without food, because you, you need to hunger for God more because you're struggling with the sin is often why Christians fasted throughout the centuries. Or the, you're, you're fasting to, to listen more carefully to God about a particular issue. Or you're, you're fasting just to have a, a feeling. You know, you're using that physical hunger, you're feeling for food so that you can say, God, spiritually, emotionally, I want to hunger for you more than this, right? Because, you know, I know what it's like to feel hungry for food, Right? But sometimes I don't listen to my soul's hunger for God. And when I do that, I'm moving towards rejecting his rest. Being in his rest also means like for a parent. For a parent, being in his rest is spending time remembering that my kid or kids are actually yours, God. I'm going to just rest in that. You're in control. I'm going to do the best I can but they're your kids. So for a parent, being in that rest is surrendering ownership of our kids, saying, I'm not gonna live vicariously through my kids. I'm, not gonna, I, I, I'm gonna be on mission to share the most important thing with them, and that is you and your love 
for they are your kids and you've blessed me to be this important role in their life, right? As a teenager, as a teenager, right, or, or just a youth in general, it's, it's knowing that your friends and your peers' views of you um, don't, don't matter that much. I mean, they do matter, and, and it can hurt when they don't like you and so forth, but being in the rest of God means I know that God loves me, and that matters infinitely more than what other people say about me if they make fun of what I wear or whatever. God is with me, and that's what matters, resting in that. Okay? So take care, siblings. Take care, Siblings, there are temptations out there, this scripture tells us. There's temptations towards evil, right? Evil is real. And as, as Paul says in Romans 7, there's even a battle in our members. We're, we're, we're saved in the heart of us, but we still have a battle in our very selves. And sometimes we're our own worst enemies. But there's also evil out there prowling around looking to get us off track. And the most dangerous types of evil is evil that macerate as good, Right? giving you a distraction from the best, it will get you off good. Now, in, you know, democracy, for example, is good. But if democracy in the election process of this year gets you way off track from thinking about Jesus a lot and spending time with him, then that's evil. I'm not saying democracy is evil. You didn't hear that, right? You can, st- you can so s- first spend time with Jesus, right? First do that. Because evil often masquerade, masquerades as good. We, take care of siblings, he says, because you could have an unbelieving heart. And Proverbs says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. We don't like to think that unbelief could creep into our lives, but the scriptures show us story after story where unbelief comes into somebody's life who had believed, right? So we need to be aware that that can happen to us. I have had pastor friends fall away from the faith. So you, you have to be real about this. And that it's a regular receiving of his love. And by that I mean all of us as we live life have difficulties, right? We have deep wounds. Receiving God's love is not just a concept up here like, okay, I know God loves me. It's, it's down here too. Doing that heart and hard work where you've got a part that's unhealed from some disappointment in life or some abuse in life, Right? Or some, some shame of a, something you really struggle with. And you don't really let, let, let the love of Christ down into your heart. You don't really believe he can heal that. You don't really believe he could change that pattern in you. You don't really believe he could break that family type of curse where you all just mistreat each other. All of that is unbelief. All those things where that really can't change. If you have those little pockets anywhere in your heart. Take care, siblings, lest your heart get taken over by those, right? We don't want to fall away. We think it can't happen, but Hebrews is largely written because he is concerned that believers might fall away. Somebody took the last page of my sermon. That's okay. I think I know where I'm going. Uh, so what do we do? That sounds like a good place to go, and we'll probably just leave it there. Uh, what do we do? It says to exhort. Exhort. 
Exhort is a word we don't use very often, so what is it? Exhort is a rich word. It means to encourage, to instruct, to build up with intention one another, okay? So we exhort one another. We intentionally, and it's not just the pastor's job to do this. We, in, in our family groups, in, in your Bible studies, we, we, we intentionally encourage and build one another up, uh, right? We, we recognize that I need building up. Scriptures tell us to love correction and discipline, right? I haven't seen many people get that tattooed on their arm um, or crocheted on a pillow, but it's a scripture. Love correction, love being disciplined. No discipline is pleasant at the time. It's also said in the scriptures, also something I've never seen tattooed or crocheted, but super important. We are called to that. We're called to a ministry of helping one another without harshness, without bitterness, because we want the best for one another. But Jesus told us first, as we do this, as we exhort one another, we've, we've got to take the plank out of our own eyes, right? We've got to be, if we're going to think we have a ministry of exhorting others and sometimes correcting others or rebuking others, which the scriptures say we are to do for one another in love, we best be willing to receive it, Right? And we best look at our own stuff and be willing to confess shortcomings and, 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 and sin, okay? So the last thing I'll just say is it talks about today in the scripture. Did you notice that? It talks about today. A lot of scriptures talk about today. Jesus talked about today. We live life in a daily reality. We like to make plans, right? We like to think we know what's coming. The reality is, Tomorrow's not promised to any of you. I did a funeral this week for a guy I grew up with, 52 years old, heart attack. He's gone from the earth, right? His twin brother's still alive, identical, right? How many days do we have? Who knows? But if I'm here today, I have today, right? And today, I need to recognize every day is a battle. Every day is a battle to live for God and the temptations to have heart-heartedness, heart-heartedness, yeah, there you go, uh, and to grow cold in despair that this world offers too readily. So, the great antidote is what Hebrews is saying. Seek to believe Christ's living word. Listen and believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks present tense, and may that voice in your hearts be above all else that is being spoken in this world. There's all kinds of noise, right? But there's one voice that today and every day you need to listen to, and that is God who made you and loves you, right? So let's finish with that. You, his book says and he says, are his house. He is building us together. We are his workmanship. We are his his house built on Jesus Christ himself, the cornerstone. We're in the same house with the apostles and the prophets of the past who are still alive together working with them. He is at the right hand of the Father Almighty interceding and praying for us. Your life, my life, is not mine, but is part of his great building. Lord God, we thank you for your word and your speaking, your living, speaking truth.
And I pray that today, and tomorrow if you give it to us, but today, that we turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Remind your people, each one of us, who you say we are as we continue this journey through Hebrews. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.